Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grombacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Randy Bruns. Randy, are you ready to do this? I am ready. I'm a rookie. This is my first podcast, so I'm just hoping I don't screw it up. So here we go. I think you're going to be a natural. Let's let's do this. Randy is a CFP, an RICP. He is the founder of Model Wealth and a senior planner with the firm. He is also the president of the Financial Planning Association of Illinois, a guest lecturer, speaker, and writer. I'm excited to have you on. Randy, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. All right, so I, I'm 39 years old. I'm about to turn 40 in about a month and a half, which mm. is um, I'm trying to delay as long as possible. <laughs> but uh, I'm married. I have two kids, a two-year-old and a six-month-old, nice. and they take up yeah, they a boy and a girl, a girl and a boy in that order. Um, so we we did that kind of like perfect, like the perfect little American family. We have. Uh, two kids, a boy and a girl. We have two dogs and live in a downtown Wheaton, Illinois, which is about 40 miles west of Chicago. Um, and as far as work, uh, model wealth, we are a, we're a little bit unique as a financial planning firm. Um, not there's, there's, there's other firms out there like us, but we do largely hourly based work, uh, project work. And we also do ongoing financial planning packaged with investment management for a flat fee. Excellent. So what was it that motivated the, the hourly, the flat fee model? So it's interesting. So me and you had asked, you know, what got me into the financial planning profession? I, it's, it's weird. I, I sort of view myself as an outsider to the profession and I've done this 17, 18 years now and I still feel like an outsider because I don't really love personal finance. I, I don't love studying some of the stuff that really nerdy finance people enjoy, like reading through a insurance policy or, and I don't know if anybody <laughs> really enjoys that. Um, I don't, I, I, I don't watch the NBC. It just doesn't interest me. Um, but I'm really more of a, I majored in marketing, believe it or not. And uh, I think of myself more as a branding guy and I love the idea of financial planning because it, it gave me an opportunity to be independent, to be my own boss. And there is such a financial literacy problem in the United States. And I don't think up until now the financial services industry has done a great job um, helping people be better at their money in, in, uh, in the aggregate, I guess. I, I, I think a lot of financial services still exploit the fact that people uh, aren't good with their money. And I think, I just, I think the industry has a long way to go. So that's kind of what motivates me as a financial planner is not just to do the very best job we can do for the clients that work with us, but also uh, for the greater community and hopefully uh, turn what I would call an industry into what I think we'd all hope to be called a truly respected profession. Well, I, I respect and appreciate that very much. And obviously, you are somebody who is 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 concerned and passionate and wanting the industry to be successful because you volunteer your time as the president of the Financial Planning Association. Um, I know that we're probably going to talk a little bit about 
the work you do and you volunteer and do pro bono planning. You speak to uh, young people, students. Um, so there's definitely a passion there and a desire to help make the industry better. And for my money, um, I think that maybe was a play on words. I think uh, what what I like to say is that I'd rather be useful than be brilliant because I think we're cut from the same cloth. I'm not a, a finance nerd by any stretch of the imagination. I try not to. I try to stay out of the weeds. I try not to dig too deep into prospectuses and things like that. But I know that you need to be able to bring information to people in a way that's digestible and that's actually going to work and help change behaviors. So I just dumped a bunch of information on you. Um, you you are getting the sense that, that the industry is going to get better with financial literacy. Why is that? And, and, and how do you think that's going to happen? I don't know. I I sure hope it gets better. Um, It needs to get better. Um, But one of the things, so you had mentioned that I do guest lecture work. So I'm closely, I work closely with the university of Illinois and maybe Illinois state university, I guess you could say also, which I would say are two of the best, uh, financial planning programs in the in the nation as far as schools training uh, financial planners. So when I was in college, and um, we spoke a little bit about this before the call when you were in college, uh, I don't know what you majored in, George, but I majored in marketing. It, there was there was finance, but there wasn't financial planning. And I, I don't think in the late '90s, early 2000s, I think financial planning typically follows baby boomers, whatever they're doing in life. And back in those days. <laughs> You just didn't have as doing financial planning was was not a lot more than saying, "Hey, invest in this, and we'll we'll just keep talking about your returns and your allocation until you're 65 someday." And right. all of a sudden, now it gets a lot more complicated because you're going to live off of this the rest of your life and and all the complications that come with that. But what's really cool nowadays is now you can find financial planning as a profession uh, or as a major across many of the nation's top universities. So. I've done guest lecture work. The University of Illinois, like I said, is phenomenal. They have a, a director of uh, financial planning, Craig Lemoyne, who is as passionate and as talented and as knowledgeable as anybody in this in this field. And he's been so gracious as to let me uh, work closely with his students and teach a few classes. And these students are so much more prepared than any financial planners that came before them, just because they are they're doing CFP certified financial planner level coursework in college. They're stepping out and getting that CFP designation right away. They're, they're not stepping into uh, careers where they want to just sell investments and then ignore all the other parts of financial planning. They want to do classroom style case studies. Uh, they want to hit the ground running doing that. Nice. So one thing that I think is going to improve a lot about financial planning in the coming uh, years is just the the folks that deliver financial planning, I think are just a lot more talented. And there's a whole bunch of finan- talented financial planners out there now. Um, but I also think there's a lot of people that just, or, or at least a lot of, maybe not people, but just arrangements or companies or setups, how financial planning is delivered that leaves a lot on the table, basically. Yeah, got it. No, I appreciate that very much. And the curriculums that are being taught, is it is it more along the lines of of it being fee based, sort of like you structure your practice? You know, the pricing structure. The, I don't think it. I don't think the classes talk much. At least, I don't think it's taught. Here's the right fee structure. 
Um, and so being the serving as president of the Financial Planning Association of Illinois, uh, FPA is the largest organization of certified financial planners. And it's, it's there, there, we take no stance on fee structures, um, but in the classroom, I can say a lot of the students coming coming out that we've that I know well that have interviewed with us, our firm, um, and we talk to over a beer or something at a conference. There's a, a in large number they don't want to be their dad's broker, basically, and I, and and I don't think they nothing wrong with mom and dad's broker. They always say dad's broker for some reason. I think it's the generation thing. They are very interested in different pricing models. They love the idea of a monthly retainer. Uh, they love the idea of hourly, although they ask me, they say, I love the idea of hourly because I'm, it puts the focus on the work that I want to do as a planner. And I think I get, it'll be very fair to the client, but also fair to me, but how on earth do you eat <laughs> being an hourly based financial planner? So they ask that. Um, and then a big thing nowadays is instead of charging people a percentage of their assets is charging a percentage of net worth or a percentage of some combination of income and net worth. So if, uh, so, so it avoids the conflicts of, should I pay down debt or should I invest the money? Things like that. Got it. So I, I don't think I, the professors are really good at not taking a strong stance because I think there is a, every fee structure has its own pros and cons. Um, but I don't, I don't think the course works necessarily taking a stance on it, but the students, from my experience, certainly are. Well, fair enough. Well, I have a whole generation of young people with solid education, graduating and, and helping folks. So I think that that will certainly help. I also know that, that you spend time down at the, uh, down at your state capital talking to elected officials and talking about financial literacy there as well. And I'm just curious what your experience has been with how, how your elected officials are are looking and thinking about and talking about financial literacy and and what they view the role of government to be in enacting change in that area it's a big question yeah that's a great question and i can say that me personally i don't know that much about politics i don't so each time i'm in front of an elected official or i go to the, you know financial planning association we do advocacy days both in washington dc and, and in our uh, in our individual states, uh, it's always like a crash course in the days leading up to it. You know, what do I call that person? Do I, do I call that Mr. or Mrs. Right. Do I say Senator? Do I say representative? Um, so I'm not, I'm not the, uh, I'm not the most polished every single time I do this, but what, but when we go down to Springfield, so Illinois state capital, uh, it's, it's our, goal to get down there, introduce ourselves uh, as certified financial planners, as the financial planning association, help, uh, help our elected officials understand what financial planning is and why it's important, but also uh, introduce them to important legislation that uh, either has already taken effect in other states or uh, should take effect in other states and where we can, we in the financial planning association can um, maybe serve as a, as a voice. Uh, and, and one of those, so we were in Springfield this week and one of the biggest, um, one of the biggest bills that we would like to see uh, in front of all of these lawmakers is uh, one that protects 
it's something that helps vulnerable seniors, uh, protects them from financial exploitation. And getting really into the specifics is protection for financial planners to be able to basically step in and say, I think something fishy is happening here uh, without fear of being sued, basically. So they, to have some sort of immunity for financial planners. So elder uh, exploitation is a, or financial explo exploitation of elderly individuals is a huge problem. And uh, people say, well, it could be the, the person trying to sell them life alert or shoot somebody trying to put gutters on their house or something, overcharging somebody. But a lot of times it's family members. And it's more often the case family members. For sure. So it is a slip. It's a super slippery slope as financial planners to to want to sort of step in and report it to a uh, kind of a some sort of organization or agency you would report that to. And I don't see what the downside is of protecting financial planners from being sued if they um, suspect something like that, basically. So that's one of them. And then we, we talk about other items. Illinois, for example, I don't know if you know this, but Illinois is a state that is not the most healthy from a financial standpoint. And I've heard one bits of and pieces. Been, uh, yeah. And one of the things on the table in Illinois, and I don't know how much traction it has, but is taxation of financial services. And it's a, on the revenue side, you could, you could imagine the government would say, hey, this is a way to bring in revenue to the state. But financial planning firms like ours, this isn't, this isn't like a, a mechanic or a spa where people are on site. This is a, we do so much work with people in New York and Florida and Cape Cod and all over the country. And, and if, our, if our financial uh, services start getting taxed in Illinois, that makes us a less attractive option because uh, it's going to find its way into our pricing. So we, my, my point of mentioning that and rambling a little bit here is it's, it's sometimes not just to protect uh, consumers, but a lot of times it's to protect uh, just overall financial planning and make sure it's more accessible as opposed to less accessible. Yeah, well, advocacy is such an important thing and that, 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 that goes both ways. To, to your point, 100%, you're there advocating for um, for at-risk people in our community, but you're also advocating for the profession and helping alert um, elected officials to unintended consequences that may take place that they didn't necessarily realize. So there's immense value there for sure. Um, well, I, I know that you sent me uh, an article about investment news rolling out some new financial literacy and wanted to talk a little bit about that, if you would. Yeah. So investment news has been spectacular in its efforts to um, something I said earlier uh, in this interview is how do we change this industry to be a truly respected profession? And I'll take a step back and say that uh, if, if you look at surveys of, of the world's most respected professions or in, in the country's most respected professions, you'll always see rightly so nurses and teachers and firemen and police officers and, and uh, those professions you'll see very well respected. And unfortunately, when you look at insurance agents or financial advisors, it's, we are way down the list. Right. And, and, and investment news has talked about that in the past, um, saying, how do we, 
how do we turn that around to where this is a truly respected profession for all that uh, it can do for um, just Americans. But um, so last year I was um, nominated as a 40 under 40 by investment news. And I joke around that was a last ballot hall of fame sort of thing. Cause I was 39, <laughs> like 39 and a few months at the time. Got in under the wire. I, I know I felt like the sympathy vote. And I thought I was going to be like the old man on at, at down there, but there were a lot of 39 year olds, which made me feel better. <laughs> so anyways, I'm rambling. Um, but investment news with this 40 under 40 um, group sort of as a think tank of what they call leaders in the profession um, has really, has really said, Hey, we have a, we have some power in bringing you all together to sort of be a voice and be to move the needle on important uh, items affecting our, this industry. But in this case, they said just affecting the average American. So financial literacy is a huge, huge problem. They put out an article, I think it was four or five days ago, um, it's kind of a Kickstarter for a new campaign. I guess you'd call it a campaign um, tackling the issue that is a lack of financial literacy uh, among Americans. So oh, I'm rambling again here, but that that's basically what's happening. So over the next, I, I'm going to say over the next 12 months or however long there, this is a focus of theirs. They're going to be trying to make it take everyone that is a part of this industry, hopefully profession, as I said, and, and make it a greater focus. Um, and it's going to be, Hey, let's talk about, let's talk about this and make it more aware to our elected officials. Let's make financial planners understand the role they have for the greater good and, and where they can volunteer their time, not just how you talk to clients and uh, spend more time, money, effort on financial literacy, but also being out in the community like we do with the financial planning association doing pro bono, um, financial planning so but, i'll stop there because no, I, I think it definitely like was, it definitely makes sense to uh to be trying to put as many heads together as possible to come up with good ideas and you know again just let's let's find some things that are actually effective and some tools that are that actually work in helping people to uh to break bad habits and start start creating good ones so i appreciate that very much well randy yeah, yeah i yeah, go ahead. Go I'm ahead, sorry. Please. Well, I was just going to say, uh, it, it's clear that the average American doesn't have enough in savings just to pay a pay an unexpected bill. We are underfunded for uh, retirement, which does not do us any favors. When you, when you look at how Social Security, I'm reading uh, a book right now, The Power of Zero, I believe, um, which is a wonderful book, but it's it starts out talking about pressures we have just as a society where Social Security, when it first rolled out, there were 42 workers for every one recipient. And the, the, the retirement age for Social Security was 65, but life expectancy was 62. So you think about it, the, the system was so solvent back then. And well, now we have Social Security that there are three workers for every one recipient instead of 42. And life expectancies are way beyond age 62. They're 85 now. Right. So Social Security is America's retirement system, but it's not the, it, it has some severe stresses. So just that alone, helping people understand, like you, you're on the hook for 
you're on the hook for saving for your retirement. And then there's everything in between, like how much college debt you take on, having a having an emergency that you got to pay for. So again, it this is a very in-depth uh, uh, issue, I'd say, that's, uh, that I think Investment News is going to do a wonderful job trying to, as I say, move the needle. I like it. Well, Randy, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? So what I would say, I thought about this because I knew you were going to ask this. I would say we spend so much time investing for retirement or investing, or trying to build wealth. My tip would be make sure you spend just as much time investing in your friends, your family, and your hobbies. Because uh, the wealthiest clients we know in our firms are the ones that, uh, like, they just, you look at wealth in a different way. It's just how how strong are their ties with family and friends and do you have hobbies basically? And I, and I mentioned the hobbies because we've had so many people over the years that retire and we say, how are you going to spend retirement? And every now and then we get somebody that says, you know, I really don't know. I don't really have any hobbies and I don't know what I'm going to do. And um, it's, so I guess spend more time on having fun in life and don't just save to be the wealthiest person in the graveyard someday. Well, I think that is great stuff. That definitely gets a come on. Come on. And amen, man. You know, friends, family, hobby, your community, those are the most important things. So, Randy, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Easiest place to go is modelwealth.com, www.modelwealth.com. Excellent. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Randy your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to modelwealth.com, and I'll list that in the notes of the show as well. Thank you again, Randy. Thank you so much, George. I had fun. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on.